but I definitely do remember like somebody like being in like elementary school and a boy in my class being like that's a chick flick or something <laughs> like, what's a chick flick like what do you mean and they're like it's a movie for girls and I was like Welcome to the first November edition of the Chick Flick Film Club. I am Malena Vita. I'm Lauren Piscothi. I'm Emma Stern. And I'm Lauren San Miguel. And this month we are hosting Nora November. That means Nora Ephra November. That means rom-com, chick flicks, all that stuff, November. Uh, and in this first episode, we're going to be talking about the classic Sleepless in Seattle, which was kind of... I mean, kind of just kicked the whole chick flick term off in, in the way that we see it today. And I mean, we're just going to really dig into what that genre means and represents and the pros and the cons and everything in between. Oh, all right. So Sleepless in Seattle uh, is about a recently widowed man's son. He calls into a radio talk show in an attempt to find his father a partner. Um, and it is a comedy drama romance also known as a rom-com and considered one of the first chick flicks mm-hmm. um, distributed by TriStar Pictures has a running time of an hour and 45 minutes and it's available to watch in the US on Hulu, Amazon Prime and YouTube TV. And if you're in the UK, you can watch it on Now TV um, and you can buy it on Apple TV. <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to maybe also find a library that's is renting a dvd um then then you can find it yeah it's, it's yes. a bit of a messy one <laughs> on <in> the u.s <laughs> um the screenplay is written by jeff arch nora efron and david s ward it's directed by nora efron it stars tom hanks and meg Meg Ryan in the leads. Uh, producer ratio: three out of six producers are women, and one of them is Delilah Efron, who is the sister to Nora. Um, there's no picture parody rating available. Again, picture parody is a site that like kind of calculates like a feminist score based on production and also actors, I believe, and gender and race and different elements. But there's no score there. Um, and uh, some of the women-led departments include costume and makeup, which are usually the tra- traditionally uh, women-led ones. But but it's nice to see that both screenplay uh, direction and producing have um, women in them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess there's more than just women-led departments include costume, makeup, directing, writing, a lot, a lot more in this one. Yeah. Um, So the general reception of the film, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 75% critical rating and a 75% audience rating. So it's, I guess, you know, audience members, critics are pretty in tune on uh, the movie. The critical consensus that Rotten Tomatoes puts out is that Sleepless in Seattle is a cute classic with a very light touch and a real chemistry between the two leads, even when spending an entire movie apart. (laughs) on Metacritic had a similar rating 72 for their critic rating um and 7.0 for all the user ratings that they collected yeah and and the user score is seven out of ten right not seven out of a hundred oh my gosh yes yeah okay (laughs) seven out of ten yeah I I don't know why why they have different ones there that's like that yeah user is seven out of ten and then it's like 72 percent for the Mm -hmm. the critics um so again, pretty in line with each other. And on IMDb, based out of 168,000 reviews, the movie averaged a 6.8 out of 10. 
And the demographic that rated it the highest was women over the age of 45. The average for male viewers was 6.7 out of 10, and the average for female viewers was 7.0 out of 10, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of to be expected <laughs> that women are going to rate it higher than men. Although I was sort of surprised that the highest age group was 45 plus, and I mm-hmm. guess it's just a result of when the movie came out, um, mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. since it came out in 1993. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that, like, I'm not sure a lot of people our age has seen sleepless in seattle today um i know yeah. because my mom who's in that age range so that makes sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> same with mine she's like this is my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> oh imdb captured that don't worry <laughs> um but yeah so on average and we can talk a, l- a little bit about this more lauren you could take us away with it if just um at the time in 1993 um this film was very much labeled a chick flick um, and definitely still is today. Um, And, but let's talk about whether we liked it or not. Mm -hmm. So So I personally, I just don't, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. I think I liked it because it was just an overall kind of a sweet movie, but I felt like there were a couple of pieces missing, especially in the end. Like I, just thought that there could have been a lot more interaction and with Sam and Annie in the like around like the end of the movie I felt like since the kid like parent trapped them I felt like it could have been a little more interesting for us to see more interaction um and there was something about the stalking bits that was just a little weird (laughs) um instead of like romantic or endearing when she's like watching them play on the beach just like casually or whatever Mm-hmm. But it was it was kind of romantic without there being a lot of like explicit romance because like in a lot of chick flick um, and a lot of like movies like rom coms there's a lot of romance going on like a lot obviously they're rom coms but I think that this being a rom com doesn't really have a lot of that in it mm-hmm. yeah it had like it was just a very romantically uh, high tension movie I guess you'd say. Yeah. Uh huh. It's it's a classic, you know. They don't meet until the end movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a classic structure, but I feel like it kind of works. Um, yeah. I have like I I don't really know. I feel like when I was younger, I always used to hate like rom coms, chick flicks. I don't know. I not not even from watching them, but just the concept annoyed me for some reason. <laughs> uh, and I definitely think that there are. It, it, it's interesting uh, I I enjoy this movie I think it's sweet but at the same time as you were saying Lauren there's some bits you know the stalking the the treatment of Walter man like the guy just had allergies come on yeah they were really harsh on Walter he was a really nice guy he was really nice and they just like she just like left him and it was just really harsh it's it's interesting because it obviously captured something that just wasn't really portrayed that much and it spoke to a lot of in particular women and that's why it got you know the nickname chick flick um but it's yeah I, I still I'm still not quite sure how I feel about it part of me enjoyed it and part of me feels like it's very outdated and has a, yeah. has a concept that I'm just like I don't know if I would find it romantic if I was in this situation, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally get that. I, 
I love Nora Ephron movies. This definitely isn't my favorite. My favorite would be Julie and Julia. Um, okay. Perfect film. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting watching this movie from, because it's my second time seeing it, but also I kind of watched it also from like a writer's point of view. And you think about kind of all the tropes that we see now in rom-coms, I feel like kind of came from Nora Ephron in this movie, yeah. for instance, you know, the stereotype of the guy is like an architect. That's not, I don't know <laughs> yeah. why that's a thing. She's, she's always working at a paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always, mm-hmm. always. <laughs> um, and, but also like part of me thinks that that's kind of intentional because of the way that the movie kind of parallels that old movie called an affair to remember, mm-hmm. um, which I had to look up. I was like, is this a fake movie? Like in home alone, you know, the movie with the, that he uses the, everyone knows that famous scene is that's a fake movie. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> in affair to remember? I've never seen it. No, I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't, oh my it's real. <laughs> I have to watch it now. Um, but it almost like, it's more of a commentary on romance, I feel like, than it is like a romantic story mm-hmm. in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Just like it's I self aware. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very self aware. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I love the scene um, where we're talking about like how people first interpreted the movie when it came out. There was a Washington Times article from 1993 that they said uh, Sleepless in Seattle updated the concept of the chick flick into the national consciousness. And they're talking about the scene towards the end where, um, spoiler alert, but if anyone hasn't seen this, it did come out in 93. So. <laughs> <laughs> time. Um, but there's a scene where uh, Rita Wilson's character, I don't remember her name, Tom Hanks' real wife in yeah. real life, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, she's talking about an affair to remember and she's telling Tom Hanks and her husband in the film about it and she's crying. And then at the end of her saying that, they're like, sounds like a chick movie to me. Mm-hmm. And then they're talking about this Nazi war hero movie and they start crying and tearing up. Yeah, it's so good. I love that scene so much. I think that scene holds up particularly well. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's like, that's still kind of the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it's a commentary on love because the whole thing is like, she's kind of a cynic and she's saying like, Mm-hmm. you know it's it's a romance story that's critical that critical it's critical of romance in general but then at mm-hmm. the end you kind of see that it's like it follows the whole romantic 1950s 1960s like magic fate fate kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah no I, I liked it um definitely not my favorite like I said but mm-hmm. but yeah I just think it's interesting like I said other things that people use is that whole trope of you know you keep you keep the romantic couple like away from each other and then they come together in the end. Like that's been used several times. And like, even if you think about the office, Pam and Jim, mm-hmm. like we are so invested in their story because they're separated the whole time. Yeah. It's a good so, slow burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. What did you think, Emma? I liked the movie. Um, it was my first time seeing it, but it was, I had seen an affair to remember actually. Um, and so I sort of knew the plot of what this was going to be already. So it was sort of fun in that way to seeing the the movie that it's sort of, it's not a remake of an affair to remember at all. Cause it like mentions it in the film. It's, it's almost like a, um, a, a really smart adaption of it. Um, and so I'd seen an affair to remember 
and I know how that goes down. And immediately, like when they start talking about Cary Grant, I was like, oh, so we're going to talk about this movie. And if I remember in the movie that's adapting it, that's sort of funny. Um, and I'd say like, um, for being sold as like one of the most romantic films, it was so much funnier than I expected. And I hate that I'm saying that, but I just didn't expect it to be um, like most of it was a comedy. I'd say that ends with a romantic ending, mm-hmm. like rather than the entire thing being like very schmaltzy and romancy and, and, you know, cause yeah. Edinburgh, like old, old timey romantic movies, like an affair to remember and stuff that they, they're sort of talking about are weren't as funny as, as this, and this is, and there's so many good lines. Like one of my favorite ones is the character that Rosie O'Donnell plays. <laughs> you don't want to be in love. You just want to be in love in a movie. Like, yes, like that's yes. that you want. And there are just so many, yeah, so many good lines. That I was like, oh, so that's so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. um, and so, yeah, I'd say I really liked it. I would say I sort of agree with, with Lauren <laughs> that you were saying that, like, by the time they get together in the end, I, so, I, I couldn't decide if I liked that they didn't kiss or not. Um, I was sort of yeah. expecting like a big ending romantic like they kiss scene or something and it's sort of a button on everything but I I sort of like that the way it ended was them just sort of like they couldn't stop looking at each other and they like hold hands and you obviously know you're like oh that's the magic moment that they've been talking about the whole film of when you touch someone for the first time um and then it's just a very like open-ended ending which I I think is sort of nice too um yeah I have lots of thoughts about it but overall I, I liked it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the humor, like that that's true. Like it's, and again, that one scene where the guys, uh, and was that improvised? I, I've start, seen that like Tom Hanks, um, you know, when they start talking about that war movie, that that was improvised. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. And, <laughs> and, and, and so like, yeah, yeah. It was definitely a good laugh. Um, and, and from a writer's point of view, I mean, all the characters, I feel like uh, one of the things is that every character feels whole and they're mm-hmm. messy and they're complicated. And that's why I'm like, yeah, maybe it's not that romantic, really. It's kind of weird when you start to like write it out like, oh, this is what's actually happening. And you're not just yeah. like in their mindset. But people are weird and messy and they do things that they shouldn't do and they treat people poorly and then they love others and it's not all you know these aren't like I mean besides like I feel like Tom Hanks character he's pretty much like the perfect guy almost to the point where he's a bit boring but you know um, I feel like Annie especially she's complicated when you really look at her it's not like she's just a yeah um she's complex which I did enjoy yeah I do agree that it's more of a comedy and I think that's where like if you're looking at if you're looking at it as a purely romantic movie the character of Walter is like oh that's so mean like she's just she's just really written him off but as from a comedic point of view it's like yeah he's it's hilarious that he like has a humidifier by the bedside and his name is Walter. Like, yeah. He's Even when of... you were a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's so funny. Thinking of, of a baby named Walter. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> which I think like, I think the humor of it gets a bit dismissed because it's viewed as a romantic comedy in a way. So you miss like, you miss out on all of her like very clever jokes 
because I've I've read Harper. I don't know if anybody's read that. That's like the only novel that she's written. She has like other nonfiction books that she's written, but it's about like there's a movie with Meryl Streep and um guy from the shining very famous actor and blanking on his name um yeah <laughs> that's it <laughs> um sorry Meryl Streep is all that matters um yeah <laughs> but um the book that that movie is based on is kind of taken from her real life and her experience like of her husband cheating on her but it's so funny like it's like not a funny situation at all but her writing is just so funny and yeah, I think that, that that's a little underappreciated because she is just so witty and so funny. And it is, I think, it should be called a calm rom, not a rom com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree. Like she's, and again, I think she has like that very good self awareness. Um, and she pokes fun at things and, you know, at herself and at feminism while still, you know, being part of the movement. It's, yeah. It's good. Yeah, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, I think, was well, actually I have two two things. Mm-hmm. Um I love the rapport between Sam and Jonah, between father and son. Mm-hmm. Oh and god, it is so good. It's so good. And like um so like one of the ending scenes where he's like talking about how many girls he slept with in college. <laughs> how many here? He's like six or seven. He's like, it was eight. <laughs> I just a lot of the lines between them are just I loved it was so funny um yes and I also loved that that also one of the running jokes was like anytime an afraid to remember was mentioned like the women in the room started crying including <laughs> young Jessica who's like eight years old was like oh, oh yeah this is the most beautiful movie I've seen. yes and so and I would say like in that way it's again like we were saying it's one of the most self-aware rom-coms I'm putting that in air quotes for you listeners rom-coms um because I'd say like also everybody gets made fun of in this film like mm-hmm. there's fun is poked at everybody at every trope um the fact that the woman always cry when a fair to remember comes on like that's a joke <laughs> and same with the Walter thing like that's all that's a joke too and and I just think like it's so Oh, I don't know. I, I now that I'm talking about it more, I'm like, I really like. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you guys are actually turning me around. I think it was just that feeling because when I grew up, you know, rom coms. That's I had this image in my head of like, oh, it's just this, you know, picture perfect romance of like a man and always a man and a woman and they fall in love and, you know, um, even though they have different partners and things like that, and it's always just messy, but it like works and they love each other and it's great, you know, and it was just always very glorified in my mind when I was young, which is why I kind of hated it because I was like, no, that's not like accurate, but from a comedic standpoint, it really, really works. Yeah. 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 Like the line that she says, or multiple characters say it's easier to be killed by a terrorist than find a husband over 40. (laughs) Like again, very self-aware and also Mm -hmm prodding at the fact that like I mean I wonder when this this came out in 93 when did yeah. Forrest Gump come out oh I was looking this up this morning actually it 95 91 Tom oh, okay. had his big year after this movie so this movie was like before he really blew up because after this okay. he did Forrest Gump Philadelphia which he won an Oscar for and um and Toy Story we're all like 94 95 right oh. after the movie yeah yeah, because I think like I was thinking in that of, of that line was reminding me of the fact that 
Tom Hanks did a movie with Sally Field. I forget. I think I maybe mentioned this on a podcast before, but he did a movie with Sally Field. that was like a romantic movie and she was the love interest. And then like a year later, she, she was his mom. (laughs) (laughs) So that line, you know, about basically women not being able to find love being over the age of 40, like I think that's her also poking fun at what's going on and Hollywood films, romantic Hollywood films. Cause I'm sure at that time, like there probably weren't any love stories about women over the age of 30. Cause I mean, she's like in this movie, she's probably in her thirties and I act like that's so old, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And I sort of want to just jump off of that. Cause you made me think of um, also how it's a real life thing in Hollywood and in the industry, how, once women reach a certain age, they immediately flip from being a, like a love interest, a bull character to, to a mom, like for, especially for women in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately get paternal. And I think it's so interesting that look at how like Tom Hanks career has still like lasted over time and look at how someone like Meg Ryan, like these are her movies. And like, after that, she was no longer as big a star as she was in the 90s meanwhile tom hanks is still like still pumping out apple tv stuff you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. he's tom hanks you know like he's been able to get that status recognition you know yeah to make people take coronavirus seriously because he got it (laughs) yeah when he got covid that's when everyone (laughs) like oh my god this is real yeah it's true and i just uh made did the math and yeah like nora Ephron herself she was 51 when this movie came out so mm. you know uh, i think that's also you know getting that um statement from and well i mean non-older women but a woman who's not in her 20s um because you know again if you look at the statistics <laughs> um for for women on screen in hollywood for women behind in hollywood you know when you go past 30 and if you haven't had your big break it's very very difficult to get it um Mm. so yeah meanwhile men can start their career at like 40 Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i mean i think it's like a thing where most big like actresses they have to start out basically as child actresses to build up so when by the time that they get to like 20 30 by the time they start to show age say that in quotation marks you know they have been in the spotlight for so long that they now are recognizable but if you start to get into it like if you want to become an actor at like 20 and you get your first big role at well, first role is significant role when you're like in your mid twenties and, you know, you're not going to be able to have the years to build it up until like before Hollywood declares you too old. Um, so it's really difficult, but, but yeah, that's a great line that just is repeated throughout. <laughs> and it's also just like, yeah, that statistic isn't true. And yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. good commentary. It's all about the commentary. I would be interested to know what the Rotten Tomatoes score was when it first came out, because obviously now it has new reviews as well. So it'd be interesting to know kind of the general reception at the very beginning, because I know that when I was just looking through, there were quite a few like reviews just from the past 10 years. Um, I don't know if any of you have any idea kind of what, you know, obviously people call that a chick flick and obviously there were 
barely any female film critics. Um, so I'm sure that the narrative was probably a little bit different. Yeah, I'm not sure actually when Rotten Tomatoes was established, but I did see that um, Roger Ebert gave it a three out of five stars. And I know that that's quite you know, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. He said it was just a delightful watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and despite it being sort of, you know, like on the nose at points, it was still enjoyable. Um, I think at the time that I, I actually, I really don't know like when Rotten Tomatoes started, but at the time, Roger Ebert was like, you know, the, the end all be all opinion. <laughs> of film <laughs> and tv um oh my so... god sorry i didn't even recognize him in the movie i didn't recognize that walter's played by bill pullman <laughs> looks so different what i i can't connect that i'm sorry i just i'm just on ron's tomatoes right now and i just saw his face and was like i'm sorry again that's another like guy who has been able to build a career throughout the years and it's not like leading his own tv show you know so yeah i hope that with meg ryan because i think that i don't know if you guys have seen this i have a friend of mine who's very into fashion and she loves meg ryan you've got mail sleeps in seattle all these movies show so she'll like recreate her outfits on tiktok (gasps) and that's been a big like that's like a section of tiktok like Um, meg ryan fall outfits yes so i hope that in in you know loving her her aesthetic and her outfits which by the way i wanted her kitchen in this movie so badly um (laughs) side note um (laughs) but i hope that people like that kind of gives her some buzz to come back and be more things because her her son is actually one of the leads in the boys i don't know if you guys watch the boys yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I hope that she's in more things and like this nostalgia craze kind of helps her become back back in the, back in the spotlight. So yeah. And uh me on my computer, um Rotten Tomatoes was established in 1998. IMDb, however, was in 1990. So we might actually be able to find out what it was like back then, but mm. I mean, obviously, people weren't really machines. using the internet at the same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not even comparable to now. So I mean, yeah, you could see her using her big clunky computer in the the yeah. movie just to look him up. I was like, this, you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny when you think about it. I think that era really lends itself to rom coms because, like, it was more difficult to get in touch with people, and so you could play with that in. In, ter- in terms of like the narrative where now it's like, well, it's not really romantic because I can just be like, what's his Facebook? And I'm going to stalk his Facebook. Oh I mean, God. that lends itself to more comedy maybe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact that she had to hire yeah. a private investigator to even see what he looked like is hilarious. That's so <laughs> funny that you're saying that. Like if, if that movie took place today's world, it would be about 10 minutes long because she yeah, exactly on social media and be like, oh, cute. I'll message him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's so true I think that's kind of maybe why some things are set in the 80s and 90s because there is that like it makes it it gives you more to play with yeah in terms of like the disconnect between characters so yeah it really yeah. does I guess the modern equivalent would be like his son would set up a eHarmony account or a tinder account <laughs> for his dad like, tinder I know I mean, or like messages in his inbox <laughs> or some new dating app for like widowers or yeah, yeah widowed, like recently widowed men 100 <laughs> percent. 
Um, but I'm curious to see what you all think about just like, I want to get into this a little bit more about the term like itself. And um, for you all, like, it was interesting before when you were saying that you never liked these kinds of movies when you were younger because you didn't like the the sense of that term chick flick and how mm-hmm. it's placed upon movies like that um and so just like growing up or watching movies when you were younger like what did you think about that term oh I just uh I mean we didn't really have because you know um not a native English speaker so we didn't use the word chick flick we just it was just like a romantic comedy that was how it went and obviously those are very I mean that's that's what chick flicks refer to mainly. I, I'm trying to pinpoint what it was, but I know I just knew that my mom loved them and I hated them. I hated watching them. I found them. Uh, I, I just felt like they were kind of s- stupid. I felt like the women didn't really have. I think it was because I, when I was younger and I saw it and it was one of the few movies where women were always the lead or kind of the main focus and yet you know it was only to you know fulfill some love and obviously that is the genre so it makes sense that that is you know how how it is but I think the fact that I didn't really have much else where there were consistently female leads and that was kind of the only one and I wasn't into romance I was um, much more like I that didn't interest me and I was also dealing with my sexual identity and I was just like why is it always just this one woman and this one man and it just you know why is it only here that I see this kind of female representation and so that that just really bothered me and I just didn't like it and uh, I think I always even I think the concept when I heard about it, when I learned about it was just more infuriating to me so when I watched them I didn't really watch them I just hated them from purely from the concept because I didn't have really anything else that I was just like it just it really infuriated me I think when I was young and I just I I found them silly and stupid and a bit demeaning to watch I think that was probably it for me when I'm just really trying to get into yeah I just for some reason they really irked me and now I think it's different now because some of the more modern romantic comedies you know um, I really really enjoy you know where there's more diversity where there's less tropes where the women don't all look the same and where it's not always women but you also have LGBT rom-coms and I think you know the modern kind of I mean, it ha- hasn't really come back yet, but, you know, when we had Crazy Rich Asians, Love, Simon, a few more that kind of was just different and didn't. I just, I think my brain when I was younger just always saw it as the same story over and over again, and I found it really tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, I wasn't really familiar with that word, um, so I don't really have that connection. But yeah, I think the word generally is also kind of demeaning, and it's you know, trying to look from it from a different perspective of, you know, these are enjoyable movies and women should be allowed to enjoy movies and not be judged for the movies that they enjoy. Then, then, yeah, I mean, I think it's a stupid term um, that we should reclaim and that we're doing with this podcast. <laughs> I think that's a really 
I think that's just really important um, what you mentioned about like how there's like more diversity now and like like I think like rom-com movies are like more well done now and as someone who did not like rom-coms like when I was a kid just like you I just thought they were so dumb and I thought it was just so pointless and it was ridiculous because like like you said like they it, it gave women like leading roles but somehow they were still like completely overshadowed by the male love interest but I think um it's not that rom-coms were ever really like a bad thing or that like chick flicks were like like a bad thing I just think they were just so poorly done and there's just like um a better way to incorporate like like the women's choices and like how she's choosing to like follow her heart or like even like her career have you guys ever seen set it up yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, it's like rom com and honestly, it's one of my favorites. It's like really, it's like a really dumb movie, to be honest, but <laughs> it's one of my favorites because like, I like it. She is I like such, it it's so good. She is such a like, like valiant character and she makes her own choices. And I just think that like a lot of these like new rom-coms actually just like are just well-made. I think <laughs> that's just what that is, is that like, they're just not sexist or, or not as sexist. And there's like, they're more diverse. So they're just better to watch because like sometimes like even when I started watching this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just like quickly on the note, I just, that just popped into my head. I think not only are rom-coms now more diverse, but rom-coms aren't the only genre where women can play the lead. And I think that was it for me. It was just the fact that it was pretty much the only genre where there were women leads wasn't romance well not just rom-coms but romance in general and it seemed like it was very like oh this is uh you know women's desire and dream is to be loved and that was kind of it and I think that was what was bothering me but now when you have women leading all kinds of movies in all kinds of genres in a different way that we haven't seen really before and definitely not in the early 90s 2000s even 2010s I think it just brings a different concept uh, context to the genre where it's not the women genre anymore and I think that's what bothered me yeah no I agree with everything you guys are saying I think when I first heard the term chick flick I kind of rolled my eyes because I was like oh it's probably just what guys are calling like movies that I like that are about (laughs) women because you know I don't know. I don't know if you guys felt this growing up, but it kind of felt like, oh, well, I can't like Taylor Swift. That's embarrassing. I can't oh, like yes. One Direction. Oh, yes. I can't like anything mainstream. That's so lame. The internalized misogyny was real. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that you look back on it. And you're like, why, I mean, why was I embarrassed to like the things that I liked? And I think that that's what happened with chick flicks. It's like, oh, okay. So I can't like a movie. I think uh, there definitely is an issue with diversity in these movies, like, I love Nora Ephron, but it's all white people in all her movies. Yeah. Um, although, like, you do get the woman's perspective more than I think you do in, like, for instance, if you've ever seen Working Girl, which is written by a man and just, like, so backwards. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's just that whole thing of being told you're not allowed to like something because it's feminine and you should be embarrassed of that but it's Mm -hmm. so stupid because there's not like she makes a point in that scene about you know them crying over the nazi 
movie. Like there's no, those aren't called like dick flicks, <laughs> you know, like there's no male equivalent to the phrase, which I think is like absurd because there's clearly, you can name so many films that are just like so masculine that it's ridiculous. The, the Transformer <laughs> movies, the Joker. Yeah. Fast and Furious. Oh, they're so masculine, but we don't make fun of Mm-mm, like, no. it's not like, Oh, you like a, um, a boy movie <laughs> when you like explosions oh you want dinosaurs like it's not <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like, blockbusters you know? yeah exactly that's the thing that's so ridiculous and it's like why should I feel embarrassed for enjoying this cute little movie and it's not like she doesn't have any ambition I mean she has a job and she seems happy with her work even though we don't really get that side of her story mm-hmm. as much as we do in more modern rom-coms like um, I love the holiday. That's a great movie. Just about that, one. <laughs> that one's so good because it's more. That one's more centered around the women than I think a lot of. And then and that's also directed by. It's directed by Nancy Myers. I'm not yeah. sure who the writer is, but again, you could see how the like the female perspective is embedded in it. And so, yeah, I um the phrase is annoying, but I think that the more we talk about films that are burdened with that phrase like they can be kind of released from it in a way (laughs) um so yeah 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 I feel like I personally um I grew up watching like movie musicals like all from the 40s and 50s and um that was just very much like when I was yeah I I don't know exactly what age but at a pretty formative age of like my mom always wanted to show me like all of that stuff, all the Gene Kelly films, all of just all the classic like golden age movie musicals. And I think those unknowingly also made me love rom-coms slash chick flicks because um, they're both very like, like musicals, no one will call them, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe. Like they're very romantic. They're over the top. People start singing, people start tap dancing in a rainstorm and it's all it all is just accepted and it all makes sense like my favorite movie to this day is still singing in the rain and I just think it's one of the most joyful films ever made and, and like it's just like joyous so personally like I never ever didn't like rom-coms and stuff because I like that same principle it's just like it's just about love like they're just happy they're joyful and, and so that's sort of how I always looked at them but definitely I like more how today like we're trying to evolve it and um like and like we were saying like just just nuance them a little bit more evolve them a little bit more and and I think we're lucky today that like it's not the only time we see women on screen is when they're a love interest um as it as it used to be um so but I definitely do remember like somebody like being in like elementary school and a boy in my class being like that's a chick flick or something (laughs) (laughs) what's a chick flick like what do you mean and they're like it's a movie for girls I was like um why is that a bad thing like what's going on and I definitely do remember like it being sort of like thrown around as like an insult almost being like oh it's a chick flick movie like like girls yeah that type of thing completely yeah I think it's I think it's almost kind of ironic that this film in particular would be called a chick flick because half the story is his story and it's a pretty like heavy thing that they're exploring, like, you know, trying to find love after losing your wife. Like that's a really, and being a single father, like, 
had that, had it been just his story, I think they wouldn't have called it the chick flick just mm-hmm. because there is the presence of another woman yeah. <laughs> who's also like trying to figure out her life and get her shit together. It's like kind of ridiculous because mm-hmm. like there are things that appeal to both men and women in both of these movies. I think it's just, again, goes along with the whole stigma of, you know, hyper-masculinity, not being able to, you know, not being able to share your emotions and crying in public, that kind of thing. Um, And I think you get less and less in that now, even though it's still, it's still a thing, you get less of it now because we're more forward thinking, I hope, about Mm -hmm. men being able to talk about how they feel and express themselves. Yeah. Um, like for instance, I think the movie um, uh, 300 Days of Summer, sorry, 500 Days of Summer, <laughs> 200 more days of summer. <laughs> um, that's such a great movie because, you know, they're really looking at what are the things that men take away from these romantic stories and how is it, you know, bad for their views on romance and love and how they treat women. And that movie is interesting too, because, you know, I read that the screenwriter, he wrote that movie because he had noticed all these movies where, you know, there were male screenwriter performers, Zach Braff being one of them, (laughs) writing these movies where the male character just meets this woman who is just, you know, there to serve him, make his life better and then leave. Um, So he decided to write a movie where like, you know, that kind of character comes into his life that woman comes into his life but he she's not that's not why she's there she's her own person she's not even interested in him in that way um but people saw the movie and thought that zoe deschanel's character was a bitch (laughs) (laughs) totally missed the entire point of the film so yeah i just think that it's just interesting and it's kind of like i think romantic comedies are almost reflective of how gender politics of the era that we're in. So hopefully things are changing for the better. There's actually um, a new romantic comedy in the works with Billy Eichner um, about a same-sex couple that I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. I don't know the name of it. Bros. But, um, bros? Okay. Let's call it. <laughs> Great title. Um, yeah. I'm very excited about that because I think that that um, is a step forward in the right direction. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Also, I was gonna, I was thinking um, when we were talking about seeing older women in love on screen, another thing like Julie and Julia, that movie is really powerful too because you see both relationships, a young relationship and an older relationship play out before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. So to round it out, <laughs> the final question that we always answer in our film club episodes do you think sleepless in seattle is feminist why or why not i think it's a really feminist movie especially for like its time also it being like a rom-com movie because like a lot of rom-com movies back then were definitely not feminist at all but i think personally that it is because as lauren was talking about like how it's just like it if it was just like a Tom Hanks movie, it wouldn't be like a rom-com or anything. But they do they do mention something in that movie um, when he's like on that radio station about him being like a man who expresses his feelings and whatever. I don't know if, I think it's like when he's in that house that he's like designing or whatnot that they're talking about how 
everyone's like, oh, I wish I had a man that like expressed his feelings. And I think that like him being so like raw about the death of his wife and then like the movie being so self-aware in general and also about like him expressing his feelings is um, just like a modern concept that like we really try to incorporate more into rom-coms. And I just think that Meg Ryan's character, Annie, was just like, she just like really, she just really followed her like intuition and her heart. And even though I think dumping Walter was pretty mean because he was really nice, um, she she definitely like did it kindly and like did it because she didn't want to like string him along and she knew what she wanted. And she just like had this like feeling of, this of like knowing this other person like who was like really far away so I think that her like her character was just like a very like independent one I think I I wish I could think of a better word at the moment but aside from that I think that just like the comedy and like y'all just kept talking about the um them crying about that just it's like it slipped my mind that other movie that they cry about all the time I think that that's what really makes it a feminist movie is that you can yeah yeah is that you can just like it was just such a self-aware movie and it was so funny and it was directed by a woman who has like a really interesting history and has like written a lot of these movies that are just that have like well-written characters especially well-written female characters because now that we've been discussing it I've I've actually <laughs> turned around to really liking it like a lot more so I think it is a bonus movie I really liked it yeah I I would say that it is um it's very self-aware like like Lauren was saying um and it has a real perspective on just women in love and love in general uh and also it shows both of their love stories so it's not really even picking sides it's just showing like, hey, this is a story about love. And yeah, I would say it is. Other than um, the few unfortunate lines where um, they refer to <laughs> they refer to the woman he's with as a hoe. I think they said <laughs> hoe like twice. And I was like, yeah. hey, well, that was a little unnecessary. Um, I totally forgot about that. The <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you could, it's really told from the female perspective and the, fem- the female gaze. So I would say, yes, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think from a comedic standpoint, like if you watch it as comedy, then yes. I think if I try to watch it as a romance movie and if I analyze the plot points, then I'd probably say no. But I admire the full characters the full female characters and um just the kind of outlet it provided to women um in a film era where there wasn't um that much else yeah would you say no from a romantic point because of i was just thinking about this too because from a romantic sense she like flies to seattle (laughs) just sort of uproots her life in a way Mm -hmm. yeah uproots her life for a man she hasn't met and I think (laughs) you would then consider it maybe not a very rational character very smart or thought out like if you take it from that point of view where it's like Mm -hmm. what's like your priorities here 
um and you know she seems she seems to have like a good foundation already um and then you might be like like part of me wants to say it's empowering that she just took this chance and followed her gut but at the same time it's also all kind of left up to fate in the end they talk so much about fate that it's like was it really her or was it fate and that's where I'm kind of on the border (laughs) I would say, though, it is empowering that instead of just settling and getting married to Walter, Mm -hmm. who, you know, is a viable option, she doesn't. I think it's empowering that she doesn't just choose the nice guy Mm -hmm. because he's nice to her. And Tom Hanks' character is maybe more uh, a symbol of being able to make your own choices as a woman Mm -hmm. and not having to just marry because you're a certain age mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Since yeah, it's I, the I, 90s mm-hmm. <laughs> things are looking up <laughs> mm-hmm. no 100 no, that that's uh completely agree and I think you know the fact that she realizes that oh she doesn't want to be with Walter and eventually leaves him like I think that's that's good and that's empowering but it's more than that uh point of then oh okay and then she can't like be alone either so she goes after this guy meanwhile maybe yeah. If it wasn't a romance, obviously it's a romantic movie. It's a ro- like that element is there, so it would eventually end up with a love story. But if it mm-hmm. wasn't, and it ended up with her realizing because of this, and because she was just she just realized she wanted something more, mm-hmm. and then it kind of focused more on her personal journey, maybe yeah. not love related. That could be different, but you know that's an entirely different movie. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say that it was feminist. I I agree with you all. I mean, for obvious reasons, also the fact that it's being written and directed by a woman, so it's it does feel like it's coming from a perspective where it really is 50-50 Sam and Annie's story together combined. Like, I really felt like there was equal screen time, there was equal importance on both of their stories and their journeys. And so, yeah, that's what I'd say. Uh, and that wraps it up for this first part of Nora November where we spoke about Sleepless in Seattle now next week join us as we talk about When Harry Met Sally which is written by Nora but not directed by her Mm -hmm. and maybe that'll also be interesting to see you know how a woman's word is perceived through a man's lens I don't know like we'll talk about it we'll talk about it all right uh, I've been Marlena Vita I've been Lauren Piscothi. I'm a Stern. And I'm Lauren San Miguel. All right. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your Nora Ephron November. Yes. Bye. 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 <laughs>